Do you like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor, of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. Of course one enjoys the feeling of power. The newspaper can create great controversies, stir up uh, arguments within the community, discussion, it can throw light on injustices, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously, but can you think of a better one? Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Murdocracy, a podcast that keeps an eye on the news and influence of News Corp, the most influential media company in the Western world. I'm Cam Wilson. And I'm Natalie Sekolovska. <laughs> Natalie! This isn't Sammy. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I hope um, I hope you enjoy, you know, having me on on the eleventh podcast. It's oh, I'm I, I'm very excited to be here today. So good to have you. Yeah. So Sammy is out this week because he's having surgeries on his eyes. I say surgeries because I think he's having different surgeries on each of his lenses, which is going to mean that I think he can actually ditch the glasses. Uh, not that you've probably seen him potentially, but I think he's very excited about that. But because of that, he's out. Natalie is our producer. She's joined recently. I'm very excited to have her on here. And in a way, it's actually a bit of a reunion for us because we used to work together back on community radio and look at us together we're now on podcasts <laughs> that's right we're, we're, we're you know we're heading into the future you know we're we're in the podcasting sphere now it's um yeah it's it's really really exciting to be in this space because when we were on community radio we were we were doing live radio so it's completely different now i've been watching what's been happening in melbourne over the last week there has been a lot of protests ostensibly about Victoria's pandemic bill, but really about any real grievance from people who don't like vaccine mandates, who don't like mask mandates, who don't like vaccines or other things. Have you been watching it? I have been watching them and it's actually interesting because they've also been happening to a certain extent here in Sydney as well, um, just around I think the CBD and Newtown. So I have been keenly watching what's happening in Melbourne and Sydney and I think it's interesting that you mentioned that it started off obviously about this bill and you know pandemic freedoms um, but I think at the same time it's kind of it's turned into a bit of a mishmash of issues I think. I think at the end of the day the people who are attending these protests, I don't think they even know what these protests are about <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, they are a bit all over the place. I mean, I was I was watching the protests now yesterday, so that was Saturday, a week after the first uh, big protest about this bill had kind of happened. And the bill, which is a pandemic bill, which is about slightly changing the laws, I think, so that um, the 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 power to declare a pandemic isn't just with the um, or isn't with the chief health officer, but is with the state premier and also the health minister and a, and a variety of other things. The bill was barely mentioned, which is kind of funny because I mean there are some people who have some legitimate opposition to the bill, but you've also got all these people out there who are really sick of having to be told what to do and like you know I'm I'm I do have an empathy for that because you know we've been in lockdowns and that kind of thing for 18 months and we're kind of out of it now um, but people are you know they've, they've felt their lives change a lot you know they've been alienated all that kind of stuff but at the same time you know we can understand it but also say that what they're talking about and a lot of what they're you know, pushing against is ridiculous. Like, you know, the, the, these protests clearly have a real 
um, conspiracy bent to them. We've seen kind of extremist elements in them as well. It's a whole mishmash. Uh, and I think, you know, I think the truth is it's probably just going to, um, it's going to boil over and run out of steam because they're not really actually asking for anything. And so eventually they're just going to get bored of it, I reckon. That's right. And I think it's also interesting to um, also acknowledge that there's people from all walks of life. So you can't just say, you know, it's people, you know, from from the right of politics or the left of politics or, you know, people from certain ethnic backgrounds. Like it was interesting. I saw photos um, on Twitter yesterday of these protests. I think they were from Melbourne and um, they actually had you know, flags, um, but not just, um, you know, not, not just any flags. It was, you know, flags of, you know, people from different kind of multicultural backgrounds. And I mean, I, I myself, I'm a Macedonian Australian um, and, you know, seeing, you know, those flags out there, it's just so interesting to see that there are people in, you know, multicultural communities, for example, who have felt quite alienated, but also who have fallen into the trap of, you know, these conspiracy theories that have been running rampant on, on WhatsApp. And, you know, you've, you've seen it with family members you've you've seen it you know with friends it's it's just interesting to see this mentality and just how it's how it's spread like wildfire i think especially during the pandemic yeah totally and one thing i I think i should mention which is relevant to this podcast as well is i mean we've seen uh violent imagery with the gallows at last week's protest we've seen uh, you know, act of violence against an MP's daughter, which I think originally the uh, Andy Medic, who is in a cross pension in the state um, parliament, he originally said it was because of his identity, because he's been working with the government and negotiating over the bill. And I, th- I think he walked it back and said that his daughter was just covering up anti-vax posters when she was attacked. But either way, we've seen this real, like, you know, a uh, I've seen not just like extremists at these protests, but an escalation of kind of like violent uh, imagery and, and and rhetoric and now even like this kind of stuff happening. And I think part of it has to come back to people who've called and, and spent a lot of time calling Victoria a dictatorship, the dictator Dan thing, like you know, Michael Kroger, from, who is the former president of the Liberal Party, he was on Sky News this week saying, you know, this bill is modern fascism. I mean, it, it's not. It's really not. Like, you don't have to be uh, super well acquainted to know that it's not fascism. Yeah, there's, there's people have said there's issues with it, you know, legitimate issues with it. But like, you know, I, I just kind of see, you know, the way that, and this is particularly led by News Corp, the criticism and, and the intensity of rhetoric, calling these things like extreme power grabs like all this stuff i'm not going to say it's the only thing to blame for it but it it just raises the temperature and it it, it, i don't know i get very like i kind of get upset about it because i'm like this is happening and it's only going to let people you know make people think it's worse and when people in backs into the corner when they feel they are they're going to act out it's it's this narrative right that i think news corp has you know been pushing particularly during the pandemic about you know we need to protect our freedoms and it's kind of you know it it has escalated but i think it's also masked um you know the actual problems at play here and to be honest um you know, I think with, you know, whether it's the bill in Victoria or also this week, we saw um, there were also issues uh, in New South Wales cabinet as well with, um, you know, do we extend the COVID emergency powers until, you know, 2023? So we are having a similar issue here in New South Wales. And 
I think this whole extremist approach to, you know, we need to, you know, take back our freedoms is actually masking a bigger issue at play, which is, well, do we actually, do we actually, how much power do we actually give governments when it comes to, you know, emergency powers like Mm. this during an emergency situation? Like, for example, you know, do you know how much how much scope do we give the New South Wales government to to be able to curtail our freedoms? So I think it is it is obviously a very important conversation that we need to have about you know what kind of emergency powers do we extend? Which ones are important to extend? How much power do we give back to you know our state our state governments um, when it comes to to our freedoms? And I think this whole extremist approach is actually kind of taking away. It's a bit of a distraction, I think, from from issues that are actually quite important that we need to be having. I think quite realistic and reasonable, I think, level-headed conversations about. Totally, totally. Yeah, it, 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 there's no space for just a kind of rational conversation. So that's yeah, right. mm, I, it's it's concerning. But hey, <laughs> I guess that's to hear what we're we're here to break down and chat about. So before we get on to News Corp News of the Week, I just want to thank our new patrons, people who've signed up to support the show. Uh, thank you to Avril and Fred. It means a lot. Um, we have we we do this uh, just in our spare time, and people who are able to kind of contribute a few few dollars to us for hosting the show, for doing all the stuff behind the scenes, the cost that's behind it really helps. Uh, if you do want to support this, you like this, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash murdocracy. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash murdocracy, M-U-R-D-O-C-R-A-C-Y. Uh, thanks to those and everyone else who supports us. It means a lot. So at the company's annual shareholder meeting this week, News Corp's Rupert Murdoch hit out at a favourite target, Google and Facebook, of course. So Murdoch says for many years, our company has been leading the global debate about big digital, quote, what we have seen in the past few weeks about the practices at Facebook and Google surely reinforces the need for significant reform. So Murdoch also accused Facebook's employees of trying to silence conservative voices and noted a similar pattern of selectivity in Google's search results. Cam, what do you think? Is this true? Oh, look, I don't know. The uh, the old uh, argument about that conservatives are being silenced online by big tech it's such a just like uh, it's it's there's never any real proof that it's true. I mean, if you look at the top performing Facebook uh, sites uh, or Facebook pages on on the platform, they're all like conservative media. If anything, it seems like uh, progressive media. Uh, it, it probably have more of an argument to say they're being silenced, or at least you know n- not succeeding in the same way. But certainly, I don't think that there's any. Uh, platform discrimination against it. Look, I think the interesting thing is that, you know, and we've said this before, M- News Corp in, really did actually has like lead the way in how news media companies have been able to deal with Facebook and Google. You know, they said a decade ago, we're going to get them to pay for our content. Everyone at the time said that's crazy. And look at us now, the news media bargaining code. Um, we've got Facebook and Google p- paying all this money to to license things like News Corp serve, uh, content. So they really did kind of work out. I guess the kind of interesting thing that I find here is that even though I think News Corp has a really good position with tech companies at the moment, which is that, you know, they their, their content, they get paid to put their content on there and they get preferential treatment because they're one of the preferred 
uh, like, you know, content providers, you know, news services. So they get, you know, their content gets to heaps of people as well. So they're getting money directly and also they're getting the benefits of their content being shown to more people, which means more people paying for it, hopefully. Um, the fact that they're still, uh, I, I think, like turning the screws in it kind of shows that like, they're not letting up. They're not like kicking their feet back and saying we're all good. They still want to, even though they've got themselves in a really good position, they still just want to make sure that the pressure's on because I think that they know that the reason that they've been able to get such good terms, you know, is because uh, they've been able to lead a critical campaign against these companies and like you know with reason like you know there's plenty of i'm a tech reporter i spent all my time saying about all the things that facebook and google are doing that uh you know are problematic and they're hugely rich and powerful companies so i'm not feeling bad for them um but what news corp has been able to do particularly like news corp is be like lead critical coverage which has led you know the australian government to be like well we actually do need to do something about this uh, imbalance so you know, they know that their power is through setting the agenda, through dictating, uh, I guess, discourse in the public. And this shows is that even though they've got things going really well, they're just not going to let that up. I think it's an interesting dynamic between, you know, more traditional media like News Corp and, you know, Google and Facebook. Like, for example, you know, I, I think Rupert Murdoch obviously sees Google and Facebook and all of these, you know, new tech um, you know, media spaces as competitors, but at the same time, you actually need to, they, they actually need to work together. Like News Corp actually mm, needs mm, Google and Facebook totally. to have any kind of influence in this new age world. Um, and that's that's where it's heading. Uh, the future isn't in print anymore. Uh, it's, it's all online um, and Google and Facebook are the way forward and Rupert Murdoch knows this. So I think it's, it, it, it's an interesting uh, dynamic and relationship there where obviously they're in competition with one another, but they also need to be cordial and work together because they're not, not going to actually get anywhere. Yeah, always give them a bit of a kick, but not too much. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, so, so Murdoch has also called on Donald Trump to move beyond the past in the service of American conservatives. So this comes weeks after Trump had a letter to the editor in the Wall Street Journal repeating the false claim that the 2021 presidential election was rigged. Murdoch said the past is the past and the country is now in a contest to define the future. What do you think this means for Donald Trump? Ooh, I don't know. I actually think it is kind of important. Now, people might remember that in the first place, News Corp in the US wasn't actually behind Donald Trump. They actually got into them, got behind him, I think, later into the campaign when uh, I'm assuming that they saw that he had a bit of momentum and also the way that his, uh, you know, the stuff that they did on him drew such a big audience. I think, uh, you know, this isn't a political podcast, particularly this is a US political podcast. I'm not an expert on it, but I do know that Trump remains one of the he remains the front runner for their nomination for the next presidential election but he really does still also have a bit of a hold over the party where people are kind of scared to uh you know speak out too much to disagree with him we saw there was a a governor's election in virginia recently where um the person who who beat out Demo the democrat in a kind of like and not super conservative state was able to do it by kind of keeping Trump voters, um, you know, in the house, but also he didn't super align himself with Trump. Like, you know, Trump was, uh, I think suggested that he wanted to come and kind of campaign with him for the end. 
uh, towards the end of the campaign and um, the, the candidate who ended up becoming governor was just kind of like, oh, no, or he made sure that he was somewhere else at the exact same time. So I think that's kind of all to say that, like, we've seen this, uh, you know, we, we've seen this this relationship between the Republicans and the conservative movement in the US and News Corp. It's kind of, it goes both ways. They kind of influence each other. One leads one at one time, the other one leads the other one at other times. This does seem like one of those opportunities where, you know, Rupert Murdoch, without having to directly tell his editors to actually do something, can kind of just send out a message saying, you know what, I think we're over this guy. We need to, you know, move on a bit. And I imagine that that will be heard and affect coverage uh, throughout the whole company. Do you think that's actually going to happen Happen with, with Donald Trump? Yeah, I think it'll just be like, it won't be like super anti-Trump, but I just think it'll be like giving him less attention and focusing more on other people. Like, I don't think it's going to turn around and be like, oh, you know, Trump is actually the enemy of the state or like whatever, like super, you know, have Tucker Carlson doing editorials against him. I think the way that they'll deal with it is that uh, they're just going to give him less attention because at the end of the day, like Trump got so much attention during the 2016 election campaign because he like, you know, he had these rallies, which were people like to watch. And so they're on TV all the time, particularly on somewhere like Fox News. And, you know, he would tweet all the time. And then every time he, he tweeted, that would be covered. And then whoever responded to the tweet, that would be covered as well. And so that kept this constant attention on him. But he's not on social media anymore. And if he's not doing rallies at the moment or if they're not being broadcast, his power kind of becomes neutered. So my understanding is like, you know, this is the power of News Corp. Not that they make up things, not that they uh, are, are, you know, telling people what to say, but they decide what to pay attention to. And my gut feeling would be like, they'll just pay less attention to him, more attention to someone else who will end up probably being the nominee. So Media Week published a ranking of the top Australian news sites according to SimilarWeb. ABC was at the top with 113 million views in October 2021, but there were a few News Corp entries. News.com.au came sorry, news.com.au came in second with 96 million. Then there's no News Corp page until number 14, which is the Herald Sun at 9.4 million, before the odds at 8.5 million. Notably absent. The Daily Telegraph, not seen in the top 20. Cam, what do you think of these rankings? Well, I think it shows how important something like news.com.au is to the uh, entire uh, organisation. I mean, look, the difference between news.com.au, which has 96 million views and doesn't have a paywall, of course, that kind of goes hand in hand, to the next News Corp publication, which had 9 million views, uh, which was the Herald Sun Um I mean, that, that's 10 times the amount of the next one. That, that's huge. And I guess it's also not a coincidence that, you know, news.com.au also tends to not have some of that more like full-on like culture war stuff that you see uh, in places like the Australian. You know, they, they are, you know, they make an effort to be more progressive on things like climate change as well. Um, so I guess, you know, in a way we can also see, you know, what is really appealing, uh, yeah, I guess like appealing to the broader like Australian public. It is kind of like, you know, we, we've spoken in in the past a bit about how News Corp is, is, is actually kind of successfully moving to getting paying subscribers. And then now I think officially getting more revenue from directly from people who pay for their content than from advertisers. It, it does kind of show that you that like, you know, the ABC still remains, I'm guessing would be pretty close to bigger than all of these 
No, no, just about uh, all of those News Corp publications combined in the um, top 20. Um, but also, like, you know, things like The, the Guardian you know, has twice as many uh, readers as The Herald Sun and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we can, we can overstate the kind of media monopoly in Australia. But in digital media, um, you know, News Corp is far from the most dominant company, I think. Yeah, that's actually interesting because, you know, when we talk about, you know, these culture wars or whatever, we, we normally think about News Corp, you know, being quite influential and, um, you know, being read by a lot of people. And obviously, you know, uh, 96 million views for news.com.au and then even for the Herald Sun with 9.4, that that's still a lot of readers. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, just on news.com.au for a second there, their, their stories are quite clickbaity. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's also, very appealing for a lot of people um I think especially now with social media you know on Twitter for example you've got your news feed and you're, you're literally just scrolling through and because of that you know um the tweet uh you know letter limit uh or whatever it is um I think that's kind of changed the way that we consume or the way that we subconsciously want to consume media. Mm. And so I think it's just so much easier with news.com. You see kind of, you know, this clickbaity headline in your face yeah. and, you know, you feel like you, you you get the story, you click on it and you've got all these, you know, photos and pictures. It's, it's very, I think we're in an era now where we're consuming media quite differently. So um, I could be looking, uh, you know, looking into this way too much, but no, I, I think no. that's... That's also, yeah, I think that's definitely a factor in why it's come in second. And I think, you know, with the ABC for a moment there, um, I'm actually not too surprised that it's at the top there because they were the ones, you know, for the past two years during the pandemic, they were the ones who, you know, had their press conferences, the the Premier's press conferences uh, playing every day. I think also before that we had the bushfires um, and then they were playing regular press conferences during the bushfires. And so I think at the end of the day, it's quite interesting that the ABC and news.com.au are up there because news.com.au paints a picture of everyone just wanting quick news instantly, whereas ABC up there also shows that people want, well, credible information right now, um, especially in emergency situations like the bushfires and COVID, which we've been living with for the past I think it's been two and a half, three years now. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy seeing those two up there at the top. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, so something I picked up on that, which is totally off topic, but we'll indulge ourselves. Do you think that we've had all these intense media events? You know, we had the bushfires, had a bit of a break, then we had COVID, which is really, which is really, you know, dragged on. I think we can all say it's been a bit of a bummer. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think people are going to switch off? Like I have this theory that everyone's about to switch off like in a big way over summer for like months because we're all just sick of the news. I I actually think we will switch off until the next big event. <laughs> like we, oh, we did no. have bushfires, we had COVID. <laughs> I'm anticipating that something else will happen. But no, no, no. Um, your jokes aside, I, I I do agree with you on that. I do think people will switch off. And I think people already have switched off. Um, you know, I think for the first maybe year, year and a half, yes, we were all watching the COVID press conferences. But I, 
I also know a lot of people who just switched off the press conferences completely. They didn't know what the COVID case numbers were. Um, you know, you and I obviously working in media, we were constantly watching press conferences. We were following the protests. We, you know, we were all on top of it. And I think there were days where we just wanted to switch off as well, but couldn't. Um, so, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. So I, I have a feeling, I think after... I think it's still, I think news is still important to some people at this stage, but I think in this kind of post bushfires, post COVID, post emergency kind of world that we're living in, I have a feeling that people will switch off. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think it might actually change the type of news that we potentially consume. I think, I think there might be more of a, um, more of a taste for, you know, lighter news, um, more happier news, I think. Um, so I think, I think subconsciously, I think it will change the way that we consume news. And I think it might change the way, uh, the way, or I guess the places that we go to consume news. But I think, I think that's going to be a bit of a slow burn process. I, and I think it's going to be a subconscious thing. I don't think it's something that we're actually going to be, be aware of. Yeah, look, um, no offense to Kerry Chant, but if I ever see her face again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's, I think she's going to be, I think she's completely done with, you know, press conferences and, you know, being in the media and, and uh, you know, anything to do with COVID. I think she, she, she probably wants a holiday too. <laughs> <laughs> now, news is in the talks to buy Stockhead and Indie ASX shares website, according to Nine Papers, Zoe Samios. Stockhead describes itself as a team of highly experienced full-time reporters and contributors who produce independent journalism covering what we like to call the ASX 2000. News Corp formed a centralised business news desk, the Australian Business Network, which is run by The Australian, which is a sign of how they were putting more focus on business. What's the significance of this purchase, do you think? I think this is just another example of how they need to try and expand what they're doing for their subscribers. Because, you know, the, the difference between someone uh, potentially, you know, who, who, who maybe picks up a paper every day or picks up when they choose to, or someone who subscribes, which is consistent, you know, paying for something means that they need to get, con you know, ongoing kind of um, benefit out of it, which means that, you know, the more you can kind of do for someone, the more invaluable you make yourself the better. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, different to something like news.com.au, which is just like, we're just trying to get someone to click on each individual article. Um, subscription is just like, we want to keep you inside the tent forever. Business uh, coverage, and particularly something like this, which is kind of indie journalism, but like, you know, kind of up and coming uh, uh, business, uh, yeah, advice on up and coming businesses can be very important to, to some people. And I think that this kind of is just like, if you're, you know, for instance, an uh, the Australian subscriber, you don't know what's happening in politics because you're, you know, you work in business and you need to know about policy changes, but also something like this might also help with your, you know, personal finances and that other stuff, I think is just an example of like, you know, it, it, you know what it's like? It's actually kind of like how the New York Times, if you subscribe to them, you also get a subscription to their, cooking app and also their crosswords app like that all sounds like ridiculous because well not ridiculous but it all sounds like well like who's using all three of those things or who's subscribing for all three of those things but each individual thing that's totally different just adds a little, another reason why they're kind of invaluable in a way i think this purchase is kind of similar to the new york times's crossword app so how, how important do you think it is you know for 
for, for, you know, papers, you know, like the Australian, for example, to, you know, continue kind of reinventing themselves, um, you, know, when it, you know, when it comes to kind of moving into the future and, you know, trying to keep people in that, you know, tent of, you know, subscription, um, you know, moving forward. Yeah, super important. And, and I think for them as well, you know, when you've got, when you're digital, it doesn't really cost you anything more to have more subscribers, you know, like the, the actual marginal cost is, is so small that it means that like, you know, the more people you get directly paying for it, the more you can kind of offer. And it's this kind of pinwheel of like, oh, you've got more money, so you can use it on more things. And hopefully those additional um, things that you do bring in more subscribers. For them, you know, you've got more money coming in, they're adding new digital subscribers and they're like, well, we can bring in this this organization, this business and the indie journals and what they cover. And hopefully that'll bring more people in. So I think for them, you know, the, like I guess there's the, the literal cost of the staff and the purchase, but f- it's it's a pretty like, um, it's, it's a pretty easy thing for them to do and, and something that adds to their existing appeal, but makes it broader. I, you know, like I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if this is actually quite a smart acquisition. Now, former News Corp and Foxtel Chief Executive Peter Tonner has been elevated to Deputy Chair of the ABC. He was a recent appointment and before that he was part of the consortium that saved wire service AAP from extinction. Nine papers, Stephen Brooke and Samantha Hutchinson note this positions him to potentially take over when Aisha Buttrose's term finishes in 2024. Now, Cam, what do you think about some people saying it's a News Corp takeover of the ABC? That sounds pretty dramatic. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm not really kind of convinced of that. I, I, I know there's people out there who, who fear that any time, uh, you know, there's interference or, or even an interaction by the government um, with the ABC, you know, they fear, particularly, you know, a conservative government, they fear that it's it's corrupting it. Um, and, and the the introduction of News Corp, which can sometimes be a bit of a boogeyman, um, you know, I think only made people more alarmed. I mean, this is this is a guy who's, who's served at one of the top, um, he's, he's been in, in, in the biggest media companies in Australia. And, you know, Foxtel is doing very well as well now. Um, I mean, look, you, you want someone, to be honest, on the ABC board who has media experience. I haven't seen anything that suggests that he's some, like, you know, sleep agent ready to, to turn the ABC over to Ruben Murdoch. You never know, but somehow I, I, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, it's all kind of palace intrigue, the idea of who will take over when Ida is, uh, if she finishes up and she's not reappointed in 2024. But also... <laughs> you know, that, that's a little way off yet. So <laughs> we put it, yeah, like, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to deal with what I'm doing this week, not, you know, what's happening in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think, you know, I agree with you on, on this particular point. It's, you know, you, you've got your, your, your shock jocks, your, you know, your News Corp shock jocks or your Sky News jock shocks, shock, shock jocks. You've got, you know, whenever you think of, you know, the Daily Telegraph, you know, you, you do think of, you know, Andrew Bolt or, you know, you, when you think of Sky News, you think of, you know, Chris Kenny or you think of Peter Credlin. So you do have your, you know, right wing conservatives that, you know, you automatically link with, you know, a particular broadcaster or with, you know, a particular, you know, news court paper. But for the most part, I think a lot of us journos and a lot of us media execs, we, we're, we're just, you know, we, I think, you know, we could easily work, you know, for news court or we could easily, you know, work for the ABC. I think, you know, 
at the end of the day, a lot of people, you know, are impartial and, you know, they take, they take their jobs, you know, quite seriously and professionally. So I, I don't think this is anything that we need, need to worry about um, at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. Okay, so we have some good news. News Corp has announced a $1 million donation to rural and remote mental health. Media Week reports that the money will be used to deliver mental health literacy and suicide prevention training for bushfire-impacted communities over two years, commencing early next year. Beginning in 2022, the project will work with mental health professionals, community leaders, organisations and locals to identify areas of need and design solutions in communities that they identify as most at need. Now, Cam, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, look, you know, hard hard to uh, hate on this at all. I mean, you know, this is kind of a good thing. Um, I I don't know, like, it's supposed to be a, a wet summer, isn't it? But, like, I've just been fearing what would happen if, you know, combining COVID with bushfires, um, you know, people having to leave their homes, go in the same places with a with a pandemic. I, I know that things are like better at the moment, but the thought of that kind of terrifies me, uh, you know, any, anything to help out the community has been affected by it. But look, fingers crossed that this is uh, a safe summer. We don't have any more. We've had enough emergencies, I think, recently. That's right. And there have definitely been a lot of communities who have been impacted by both. Um, you know, yeah. obviously oh. the bushfires went into 2020 um, and that was when COVID hit. So, um, and I think a lot of, a lot of communities, you know, they, they're, they're feeling refreshed. They're, they've rebuilt. Um, they're looking forward to, you know, having, having people visit from, um, you know, metropolitan cities and, you know, suddenly, you know, we had this, you know, massive lockdown in, in Sydney and no one could actually could actually leave to support these communities. So I, I, I agree. I think it's a good thing that News Corp has stepped up to, um, you know, focus on mental health, you know, particularly for bushfire impacted communities. And uh, there's nothing really bad that you can say about this. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Good on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now on to Good News Corp, Bad News Corp of the Week, the segment where we reflect on the wins and uh, uh, poke a bit of fun at the uh, some of the less savoury parts of it. Now, my Good News Corp of the Week, uh, Nat, is something, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I quite enjoyed it. It's an article about Education Minister Alan Tudge and his comments saying that shutting down debate and other recent trends on university campuses would have left former Prime Minister Robert Menzies aghast. Um, the reason why I quite enjoyed this is that in the physical copy of the paper, the headline was something like Menzies aghast at trends on university campuses, which was hilarious because I'm like, hasn't he been dead for like 30 years? <laughs> it's like, how can he respond to something like this? <laughs> I was like, oh, good, good like inc- incredible work to be able to report on 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 what uh, Robert Menzies thinks about cancel culture. <laughs> Headline of the year. <laughs> so that was I, I quite enjoyed that. And my uh, my 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 bad news corp of the week. Um, this was from Sky News from our, our frequent uh, guest on this segment, uh, uh, Andrew Bolt. He said that Rudd and Turnbull are being destroyed 
by their News Corp obsession. New, former Prime Ministers <laughs> Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull are being destroyed by their obsession with News Corp. Um, they're absolutely manic to destroy the people they blame from their fall from office. Uh, now, what do you what do you think? Would, would you? I mean, look, you know, we've seen Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull uh, talk a lot about News Corp, but I also think that there's this obsession kind of goes both ways. Look, I don't think Andrew Bolt should be talking about obsessions, but um, <laughs> in, in saying that, in saying that, I, I do think I. I do think, you know, there has been, you know, it, it does seem like there is, you know, a concerted effort by by Rudd and Turnbull to, um, you know, to, to go out of their way to talk badly about about News Corp and anything that it does. But, um, yeah, look, I, I do think it goes both ways. You know, obviously it's it's just ironic that Andrew Bolt is, is talking about Rudd and Turnbull embarking on this campaign against News Corp when he does that pretty much every, every week. Yeah, look, I think... Both sides kind of enjoy it. I think, you know, they're, they're both getting what they want out of each other, which is um, something to talk about, you know, something to rile their kind of supporters up. And uh, so, so maybe, you know, this is actually, this obsession is good for both of them. I think it seems that way, and um, but I, I think I think it is definitely a bad I think um, a bad News Corp story, and I, I think that kind of it serves as a bit of a distraction. I think um, you know from the important issues at play. I think obviously you know criticism of News Corp and of any media is obviously very very important, and I think that's obviously the purpose of this particular podcast to to you know provide provide critique. Um, but I think, um, you know, you, there is, you can fall into the trap of, of going too far. And I think sometimes that, that can kind of take space away in the media cycle of, you know, more important issues at play. Mm. Well, thank you for listening. If you aren't already subscribed, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about everywhere. Or join our podcast group on Facebook at Medocracy Podcast. Thank you to Kevin McLeod for the theme music, the ABC for the recordings from the archive that we use in the theme, Ruby Innes for our artwork. Thank you to you, Natalie Sekolovska. Good to have you on the mic at last. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun. <laughs> and get well soon, Sammy. See you now. All right. See you next time.